He just renewed it. He restored it. He made it perfect. A functioning muscle. You know, the the heart is the, the strongest muscle in our body. And I was just seeing that all restored. And I was hearing that word for ecclesia, that as we bring our whole hearts to him, he'll make them whole. And with that, I heard the word holy and set apart for the task that's also given to us. But we'll have the strength to run the race because our, our hearts will be pumping, pumping strong because they're whole. They're not broken off. They're not segmented. They're whole hearts made whole by the power of his love as we bring it to him today. Right now, right now, just in ourselves, Ecclesia, whatever we're holding back, whatever we're holding back from him, I'm hearing this word for myself and for Ecclesia. Maybe those areas of our heart that we think are are, uh, uh, beyond redemption, maybe there's just a a dark spot that we push back so far that we, we don't think light can even get there. Maybe there's a fence. Maybe there's a wounding so deep. But I'm just here to tell you, Ecclesia, that our hearts are safe with our daddy. And I'm just hearing that word pronounced so strongly. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. I've been kind of doing an online journal. I just want to read something from you from earlier this week. This is um, not my words. This is Small Straws by Marsha Burns. And then my words will follow. Look up and put your faith in me. It has been hard to find a ray of sunshine and hope. But hang on. I will bring you through the darkness and the maze of despair. You are my own special treasure, and I have not forgotten nor forsaken you. I am with you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 tells us we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. This rings especially true for me. I have walked through the valley of death. Sometimes it seemed there was no ray of sunshine, no hope. But I hung on. I believed the truth of God's word, even when the enemy was trying to steal it away. Jesus is stronger. He defeated Satan at the cross. 
There is nothing, nothing Satan can take from me or from you unless we give it to him. How precious are the feet of him who brings good news. Watch, watch and listen. Those feet are coming towards you. Pay attention. The good news is coming. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven... The same as my brother and my sister and my mother. So I had a vision of a tree with some luscious fruit hanging off of it. And I saw a man walk up to it and pluck a piece of fruit off and began to eat it. Free and without cost. Then there was another and then another and several people were coming and feeding from the fruit of this tree free and without cost and then I was led to this passage and then he showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the lamb in the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And on the beauty of that word, I give to you... 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. Uh, 9 through, 9 through uh, 13. But just as it is written, things which eye hath not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For years and years, most of my life, I thought that was just a, a vision of heaven. My ears haven't heard it. My eyes haven't seen it. All the things you prepared for us, I thought that was just in heaven until it dawned on me this next verse. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. He revealed a portion of it in, in Joe's vision. And he reveals it to us day by day. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given. We might know all the things that God prepared for those who love him. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words.
right, go Holy Spirit. Well, I was just hearing the word, um, the words, this is a safe place. And I was reminded of a vision um, that I had. Uh, and some of you have seen this on buildings where it's the, the safe place uh, symbol. Uh, it's a place of refuge. Um, and I was just seeing that pronounced upon this building, this place physically, and this place spiritually. And then uh, I was just the, the word "family" has been pronounced today, today to me. And then I heard the, the words "family reunion," but the the reunion part was sort of broken down. Um, to bring not the spirit of unity, but unity in the spirit, as our pastors taught, and how he's he's bringing us together in his Holy Spirit as one, as one family, a safe place. And uh, my dear sister, I got a chuckle out of when you said uh, the uh, there's no coincidence, and I got to share with you because that word's always. You know, you, you hear that in the world system a lot, serendipity, and, and to us it can seem that way. But as I was sort of dialoguing, I remember this, and the Holy Spirit has brought this to me to share. I remember just crystal clear, Holy Spirit said to me, I don't even understand the word coincidence. Like, like that's not even in his vocabulary. He doesn't operate in that realm. There's no... There's no chance encounter. So, again, I was just seeing us pronounced as a, as a family, uh, being our steps ordered to be here. You know, uh, and, and uh, so what you said, you know, bless my heart that, that uh, you know, here you are. And uh, but you, you were proclaiming it, uh, rightfully so, that you were ordered. I mean, that your steps are ordered is not a coincidence. We just fell into this place. That uh, this is this is God's family, and a safe place for us to bring our whole hearts. <laughs> this is from um, Proverbs twenty-seven. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. One who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit, and one who cares for his master will be honored. As in water, a face reflects the face, so the heart of a person reflects the person. I'm just thankful that we're all reflecting our Jesus. This past week, I just hear the Lord saying to, we need to be ready. We need to keep our eyes on him 
and what he's speaking to us instead of what the world is saying to us. And because he has appointed and anointed us for such a time as this. And uh, so the scripture I got this morning was my first Peter 1 13. It says, and, and what um, Renee said about strengthening in us and we're going to run and we're not going to go weary. That goes along with it. So, um, so prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-discipline, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that's coming to you. Jesus Christ is revealed. Live as obedient ch- children and don't be conformed to the desires, <coughs> evil desires which governed you in ignorance before you knew the requirements and the transforming power of the good news. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in your conduct. Set apart from the world by your godly character and your moral courage because it's written you shall be holy set apart for I am holy we are holy set apart for his good work Come. 
thought that I had was that there's no condemnation. Perfect love casts out fear. When we're afraid, what we're afraid of is judgment. But listen to what he says in Jude, starting with verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most um, holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah which will bring you into eternal life refute so as to convict some who dispute with you and on some have mercy who waver in doubt strive to save others snatching them out of the fire on others take pity but with fear loathing even the garments spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensual sensuality listen to this guys now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and to present you as unblemished blameless and faultless before the presence of his glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable ecstatic delight to the one only god our savior through jesus christ our lord be glory, splendor, majesty, might, and dominion, and power, and authority before all time, and now and forever, unto all the ages of eternity. Amen, and so be it. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter than also than the honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Amen. Psalms, Psalms 93, the Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established and it will not be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves more than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Amen. Awesome. Good stuff. This scripture is very special to me. Zephaniah. 317. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The word of God declares that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will to rejoice and be glad in it. The Spirit of God asks, have you made the decision? Have you willed? Have you decided to rejoice and be glad in it? Oh, I love that word, rejoice. <laughs> it means to Leap up and spin about. If we could just leap up and detach ourselves for just a moment from this world and its limitations and its insufficiencies and spin and lose our compass points and our determination of our limitations and rejoice in the Lord, it will will align us with Father's provision. Amen. So you mean you don't have to wait to feel like doing it? Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> awesome. You all are working me right out of a job. You know that? Just working me right out. <laughs> Oh, man. 
Anybody else? Because we're not finished going through everybody yet. So if anybody else has anything. I'm loving it. It's beautiful. Oh, I thought you were going, Stephanie, to the microphone. Okay. Yeah. I drank a lot of coffee, and I forgot to go to the restroom before we started. So if I walk really fast out that door, you just carry on. You'll know what I'm doing. I'll be back. Can't promise when, but I'll be back. Beautiful. Seriously, does anybody else have anything? Does anybody else want anything? <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to, again, ask everyone to be praying. Uh, the deadline for people filing for office is the 29th, so we have several days yet. Um, and this week I've been busy taking phone calls and emails from people who are thinking about running for office, and uh, we just need to continue to pray for the right ones to step up. And uh, one of them, even this week, said, you know, if, if I'm not the right one for this office, you know, I'm glad to defer to someone else who is. And so uh, there, it, we were calling forth the Lord's people to fill the right niche with the right people. Amen. And for this uh, red wave to come even to Kansas City and mm-hmm. Jackson County and so I, I, I do want to lead in prayer. Yeah, Father, Father, thank you for putting it on the hearts of good people, even including our friend Joe standing here and others around our city and our county and our states and our nation. Father, I ask you to continue to call forth those that you want to run for office, Lord, that we truly will be able to trust in the areas of government that you have placed. Lord, help us to encourage and support and be there for those that you're calling to serve. Father, Lord, continue to put it on the hearts of all the right people to do your will in government this year and next year. Lord, to reverse the curses that have been placed upon us by those who seek to do the enemy's will. Lord, we seek to do your will. Lord, help us. We cry out to you for all that you know we need that we don't even know we need. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' yes, name I pray. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Nola. Glory. Well, I'm probably not going to take the time to get into my message this morning, but because I have quite a few other things I wanted to talk about, too. Um, You know, I I think I started talking about um, being the difference between being a mere man and a spiritual man, talking about the spirit, soul, and body, like uh, three years ago, it seems like, and we haven't really even got the whole message off the ground because of what is happening on Sundays, which I'm not complaining at all. Because our, the most important thing to me is whatever God wants to do when we gather. That's the most important. Um, because when I leave here, I, I just want to know God was pleased. That was it. That's it. 
because as you all know, uh, we're only going to stand before one on that day. We're not standing before a crowd of our peers. We stand before one. And what he says and what he thinks about us in this life now is the absolute most important thing. I love you all, but I care more about his opinion of me than yours, just to be honest. Okay, I'm just being honest. <laughs> um, so I've got some announcements and also some things I just want to share. I heard this word too. Do not mistake my patience for my permission. Um, we began a We the People group last Tuesday. We had the first one here uh, in this building last Tuesday. If you don't know what a We the People group is, it should be kind of self-explanatory, but just in case, it, uh, it, it is a political type. Just We're, we're just get, getting people in the neighborhood and the community together because so many people are engaged and um, they're paying more attention. But uh, most people are like, what do I do? They want to help. They want to get together. So there's already a, a, a sizable We the People group that meets in Lake Lottawana once a month, and um, they're p- kind of busting at the seams, but there wasn't anything in this part of town, so we talked with them, and, and uh, I'm not leading it, just I want to make that plain. We, we are just providing the, the room, and I give some advice and counsel, but I don't want to lead anything else, so, um, but it, it's meeting here once a month third Tuesdays of every month, and the room was packed, wasn't it? We had over 90 people for our first meeting. Um, So it's really good. I love seeing people more engaged. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I I was thinking of this today, too, just listening to everybody. and, And one of the things I try to do is what is the thread that is being spoken through all of these, you know, different messages? And um, just one of the things that came to me was there's just the participation. You know, participation is citizenship, or citizenship is participation. And we've really lost that in our nation. We've hired professionals to go do stuff for us. We did it in the church, too, by the way. And we've done it in the world with politicians. We've done it with pastors. We've hired professionals. Just, you, you take care of that for me, and we'll, we'll show up once in a while, and, and uh, we'll vote on whether we like it or not. That was supposed to be funny. Okay, so laugh. We need an applause thing on the TV. (laughs) Applause or laughter. Laugh. Um, So anyway, uh, that's going, and uh, it it was just, it was beautiful to see the people that are really engaged. Resurrection Sunday, it is not Easter, by the way. It's Resurrection Sunday. Um, Resurrection Sunday, we're going to have another congregation visit with us and participate with us. So... That's going to be fun. Um, so that's coming up on April 17th, kind of late this year. There is, uh, in the hallway right here, we put up a little table, and there's like a box of books that somebody donated. Uh, you're free to take, you know, look through them and take one. Just want to let you know it's out there. Uh, please take them so we can put the table back down and put everything away. Um, so take a look at that. Uh, Friday, I was in a meeting um, and Nola was there with Senator from Missouri, Senator Eigel, and um, a man that came with him that runs a PAC called the 100 PAC. And uh, Senator Eigel put on a presentation that was, in my estimation, phenomenal and very eye-opening. 
Because in this presentation, what he did, just to make you aware, uh, in Missouri, we have 34 senators, okay, for the whole state. We have 163 representatives, but 34 senators. Out of the 34, we have 24 Republicans. Now, that might sound like a good thing. But only eight of them are conservative. The others are voting like liberals. And I've been aware of this, but his presentation was perfect. It was very good. He named names. He went through some of the, the main, and these aren't like obscure type votes that were, you know, well, it could go either way. No, these are main Republican platform votes. He had quite a few of them up there and went through them one by one and showed these, the ones that are voting like, like Democrats. Personally, here's my opinion. I believe some of them are. They've just ran with an R next to them, and they really are. But that's just my opinion. I don't know that as a fact. But this is one of the reasons why Missouri's not like Florida, because we should be. With all the, with all the Republicans and the conserv- so-called conservative, you know, everybody throws terms around, right? We do that in the church. We do it everywhere. I'm a conservative. I'm a constitutionalist. But it really depends on how you're voting. And so, anyway, it was a, a phenomenal presentation. It was extremely poorly attended, and I was very disappointed by that. So afterwards, I spoke with them, and I said, look, uh, I'm just I'm shocked at how poorly attended this was. Would you be willing to come back, and I'll put on a meeting, and I guarantee I'll have more than 100 people there. And they said yes. So Cinco de Mayo, Thursday, put it down on your calendar. Cinco de Mayo, Thursday, May 5th, Senator Eigel and uh, Jim Lemke from the 100 Pack are going to come back and do the presentation, take questions. Um, people need to see, and it was very powerful, what is actually happening and the votes that some of these senators are making and, uh, and, and the reason why they have to go. I'm running against an incumbent, and he's won just like that. He's, he's voting like a liberal. I was in the room when he was, he was defending himself on voting for not voting to defund Planned Parenthood. I have no idea as a Republican how you can to rationalize or excuse away a vote for murder. I have no idea. But he he tried it. He did it. And uh, you know what? Even if there's other things that that would happen because of that, you figure it out. You find another way, but you never vote for murder, ever. Period. Doesn't matter what's on the line. You don't do it. And uh, and the, you know there was a. There was, I'm just going to go for it. All right. You all right with this? Um, so there's a in this meeting just Friday. There's a representative there, and if I mean his name, you probably know it because he's in this area. And he stands up because they talked about the gas tax. You know they passed the gas tax on us. That's going to be continue to increase. I think until twelve and a half percent or something like crazy like that. Perfect time for that, right? How much? Right, 12 and a half, yeah, per gallon, 12 and a half cents. So uh, they talked about that, and there's a representative in the room. He gets up and defends his vote on the gas tax, and he was lied to, and he didn't know this. Look, how, are, how do you not know you're voting for a gas tax? It's these excuses that are inexcusable to me for Republicans. Inexcusable. And, and, the, and they say it like you just don't really know enough. No, a gas tax is a gas tax. Murder's murder. Uh, You've got to hire people to confuse you on this. It's, it's black and white. It's very plain. And just, you know, he goes off just excusing himself. 
Can you tell I've about had it with some of this stuff? This is one reason why I'm running. Because I've had it with this garbage. And we need strong people with a backbone that will stand up and do the right thing. And we don't need just one. We need a lot of them. We need a lot of them. And that's what I'll do. I, I guarantee it. I've been doing it for a long time. You know, when we had the pandemic, we didn't close down. I wasn't going to close down. It doesn't matter. You got to know the law. You gotta, first, you got to know who you are, and you need to know what the law is. And, and it's amazing to me how many people don't know the Constitution. It's like they're, they're, they're out there yelling, you know, two years ago, oh, you're not essential, you're essential. That's Nazi speak, by the way. You're not telling me who's essential and non-essential. I already got the First Amendment. The first thing in the First Amendment said, talks about religion. I'm essential. There's no politician that's the supreme law of the land. Biden or even when Trump was in. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And I took an oath to defend it, defend the Constitution when I was in the military, and it's lifelong. That's the best divine document for a government ever is our U.S. Constitution. And so we need to understand, what, what is Hosea 4, 6 said? My people perish for a lack of what? A church attendance? Carrying a big Bible? No, knowledge. And I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Let me get a drink. You know this is solid, right? Because you don't know what's in it. It's, uh, it, it's Thursday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. We're not sure yet um, because my expectation at this is we're not going to have enough room to have it here. So we'll, be, we'll let you know the location soon, but at least we got the, the date nailed down. This is for the, uh, Senator Eigel and, and uh, Jim Lemke from PAC 100. So it's, it's May 5th. It's Cinco de Mayo on Thursday. It'll be at 7 o'clock probably. Uh, but the location we need to nail down. I mean, I, it would be nice if our building was bigger because, you know, it's free. And, but um, we can really only get about 125 people in this room. We do have a gym downstairs where we can fit more people um, if we need to. The only problem is a sound system and the projection and all of that kind of stuff. So we'll work out a location um, for that. Did I see a hand up? Oh, okay. Yeah. So we might, we might do that. We'll just have to take a look at it. Um, let me just give you a quick update because you might hear something along this line. And I talked about it on Wednesday to our group on Wednesday. There's a lot of stuff we talk about on Wednesday we don't talk about on Sunday. So, but anyway, Monday, uh, I don't know if you guys know, we're, we're in a redistricting year, okay, because of the census in 2020. So um, our representative maps have already been done in redistrict, so it moved representatives around. This is something, too, I think people need to really pay attention to, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. But the Senate maps, the Missouri Senate maps, matter of fact, for Missouri, the federal maps still aren't done, but for Missouri Senate maps, the Senate could not agree, so it goes to the courts, and then it went before a six-judge panel, and then they just dropped the new maps on Monday. 
So when the new maps came out, I was at a, a meeting to speak. Matter of fact, I was standing in line to speak, and I felt my phone buzz in my pocket. And it was a friend of mine and said, the new maps just dropped. Call me when you can. And I said, well, what happened to me? <laughs> and he said, you're not in the district anymore. You've been redistricted for the district that I'm running for. So I'm running for District 8. I've lived in District 8 for the last at least 10 years. It might have been longer. And now my new district is District 11. I live in Grain Valley. So what they did was they carved out Grain Valley and Oak Grove, and now all of Grain Valley and, all, and most of Grain Oak Grove are now in District 11 with Independence and a little bit beyond 435. So he sent me the map, and I look, and I find my house, and I'm less than a half a mile from the line. Well, that's interesting. And everybody I talk to tells me something different about the law, so what do I do now? So my thought was, hey, I'll just run for District 11. That's the district I'm in. I guess I'll have to run. 20 minutes after I have that thought, it hits me. District 11's not up for election, because it's what they do with the senators in the Senate is this year, 2022, all of the even-numbered districts are up for election. Then in two years, it's the odds. So District 11 is not up for two more years. Dis I'm not ha even if I wasn't running, I'm not happy. And I don't think a lot of people in Grain Valley would be happy because most of them are conservative. And the same thing with Oak Grove, because they're pushed into now a Democratic district that has a Democrat as a, as a senator, and they're stuck with them for two years. So they're stuck with a senator that they never voted for. Yeah, so anyway, I didn't, I didn't like that. So I'm like, well, what do I do? So here's what I do. And, and this is me, okay, because this is what I do with the word. When I don't know something, I go find out. And I search the word. And in this case, I searched the word called the Missouri Constitution. And I couldn't find anything that really applies to my situation. So I made a few phone calls because I have friends, and I have some friends that have friends and relatives in high places. <laughs> and it was late at night, and by 7 a.m., I had a Missouri Supreme Court case that this same thing happened to somebody. And the, and the question is, can you still run, and do I have to move? That's the main question. Yes, I can still run, and no, I don't have to move. So I'm still running for District 8. I said all that to let you know, because you're probably going to hear it somewhere, somehow, that might come up, and I'm still running. And I can legally, and there's a Missouri Supreme Court. Here's the catch. There's only one catch. The only thing the Missouri Constitution says is you have to live in the district you're running for for one year. So I've lived in District 8 for 10. District 8 is changed now. I, well, actually, District 8's not changed. My house is now in a different district. Well, they just changed it less than a year prior to the general election, so I can't live in the district, the new district for a year. But I've been living in the old district. So... And I've already filed. I filed before these changes happened. So I can run and I don't have to move. But, but the catch is, if I want to run for re-election, I have to live in that district I just ran for a year. So I wouldn't have to move for three years. I'm not even, I don't, I'm, 
what real who cares about re-election at this point you got to get in first I'll cross that bridge if I get to it you know it's like don't really care so that's that's where that that's the only thing the Constitution says is you have to live in the district you're running for one year okay so in case this comes up you hear it because uh, there were some text messages flying around from some of my opponents they were very happy when the maps came out and I haven't said it, I didn't say anything for several days because I wanted him to enjoy their fun. <laughs> because ever since I've announced, it's been nothing but get Joe out, get Joe out. I mean, they've called some people in our, const- our, our congregation and it's, it's just been fun just because I don't know much about this whole process. I'm just walking it out and doing what the Lord, you know, when I saw those maps, I'll, quite honestly, I'm just going to tell you what, how it hit me. It was like, Wow. I either missed it big, and that would be big. That would be a big miss. Or there's another way. It's really only one of the other to me. Because the only way I would not run at that point, this point, and any other point, is if the law completely locked me out. And it was done. So it's like, Lord, what's the other way? I could tell you some stuff. I went into detail about stuff that happened that night and some of the things the Lord told me. But... um, you're just going to have to listen to the tape that doesn't exist to get all those details. <laughs> but it was a fun time with, it's always a fun time with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and it could happen that way. Um, I'm just going to focus on this, you know, like this race and what the Lord's saying. Because look, I'm not in this for a career, right? I, I'm not. I don't, I, you know, if I get in, it's fine. If it's four years and the Lord says, okay, you're done, I'll go home. Like, isn't that the way our, our republic should work anyway? People have their jobs, they go and they serve their duty, and they go back home and go do something else. And I, I'm, I didn't want to get into this whole thing to begin with, so it wasn't, I, I'm fine, whatever the Lord wants to do. I, I just know this, the journey has been very fun and exciting. And the learning experience. And the most important thing I, so far, and I've mentioned this to many people, that I have so enjoyed, it's all the people I'm meeting. It's all the people. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met you guys probably. I wouldn't have met you guys. I'm going to look around. It's like there's a lot of people I wouldn't have met, you know, because relationships are eternal if we're all going to the same place. I'm just going to assume that in this room. That if we all go to the same place, relationships are eternal. This is temporary. Amen. New covenant's temporary. Being a pastor or whatever I am, or if I get in politics, it's all temporary. You know, let me... I had somebody come to me, and he's done it twice, and he's in office. And he's a friend of mine, and he's very concerned for me and believes that I'm going to get so beat up and be made, you know, to look like a foolish, stupid pastor. And and the first thing I said was, there's nothing new about that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking pretty foolish for a number of years now, so that's not a problem. But I just want to, I wanted to tell you something, um, and I hesitate at saying this, but I I want to tell you, because I preach this, And I want you to know I'm trying to live this out the best I know how to. 
the absolute most important thing to the Lord, I believe, is for all people to come to him and receive Christ. But that's not the end. That's just the, the, the initiation into the family, being born into the family. That's just the beginning of our new life and our new walk. From that moment, the moment of our new birth, what I believe is the most important thing to the Lord is to conform us to the image of Christ. And he does it with pressure, and he does it with pain, and he does it with persecution. He does it with all kinds of things. So I'm telling this guy, I put my hand on his shoulder because he was like really concerned, you know, and I'm like, please don't be concerned for me. I'm I'm all right. I'm a big boy. And I said, you know what? Me running for office really is not that important. Win or lose, it's really not that important. You know why? Because it's not eternal. It is not eternal. I said, the most important thing I believe to the Lord and to me, regardless of what happens, the persecution, the name, whatever happens, it doesn't matter, is that I become more like him. That's the most important thing in the midst of all of it. And I believe that's the way we all ought to live. The most important thing, that we are conformed. And everything that happens, I'm not saying God causes everything to happen because men do a lot of stuff. But God takes it and he uses it to conform us to be more like Christ. That's the most important thing, guys. And it's so needed in this time, this day and this hour, with all the craziness, the Marxist, communist onslaught that we're we're having the, the uprising with Marxism within the body of Christ is so disgusting to me. The, the, the CRT that's being taught and all that. These guys don't even know the racial, the social justice that, that's being perpetrated in the body of Christ. And, and, and it's everywhere. It's in the schools. Do you know why our schools are in a mess? I'm going to tell you one simple reason. Do you know why? That's exactly right. We're, we're not going to celebrate, but we're going to observe the 60-year anniversary this year, June 17, 1962, they removed Christ out of the public school system. That's why we have the issue we have. We don't have just a CRT problem or just an LGBTQ problem or a gender problem in the schools or, an, you know, anti, or anti-Semitism or anti-American. Those are all symptoms of a much deeper root, and we removed Christ. You know why the body of Christ is in problem and trouble? Exact same thing. The exact same thing. We've got these programs and we've got all of this man-made garbage that we've introduced. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus died and the, and the temple, the, the curtain of the, uh, the most holy place, the veil was, was torn. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion here. I believe when Jesus was born, God left the temple. I don't believe he left at the moment the temple was, the the veil was rent because it was God in Christ walking in the streets. Jesus cleansed the temple twice. I just don't think he would have done it with God there, but I'm just, that's my opinion. Either way, he left, right? Do you, do you know how many more years did the Pharisees and Sadducees and everybody do their religious routine week in and week out, and God was nowhere around? It was until 70 A.D. 
Because, see, religious rote activity can be used as a counterfeit to believing God is with you and in it. And he's nowhere around. And this is where we are in the body of Christ, in my opinion. Let me just share something about ecclesia. Um, we've been on this journey of discovering what ecclesia really is. And for those of you that don't know, I've written a book about it eight years ago now. Doesn't mean I'm an expert. I'm not on it. You know, sometimes you can have just enough information to make yourself dangerous with some things. But it was a few years before that when I got the revelation on it and we began to kind of walk this out. Because when you've never seen something before, it, it's, it becomes difficult to, well, what, do you, what does God want us to do about this and that? And if you give too much change all at one time, and that is my personality, it, people go tilt. So we've been in this long kind of journey figuring what is this, what are you saying to us, not making changes too quickly. It's honestly, it's been way too slow for me. I'm just give, telling you my opinion. It's been way too slow for me. But God wants all of us to go along. Right? When he's taking us on a journey, he's just like, you know, the children of Israel going to the promised land. He wants everybody to go. He doesn't want anybody left out in this process. And so... Ecclesia is not a fancy word for church. That's been one of my concerns, that it would become cliche and people would just start using the word ecclesia in place of church, but still do church. And it doesn't mean church at all, because as most of you know, the word church didn't exist in any language until the fourth century, and it was impossible for Jesus to use a word that meant church. It was, in, it was, uh, it was put on purpose in the King James Bible, by King James and his uh, translators, and the 15 rules that he gave. It's rule number three, if you want to look it up. And so it has put us under this false identity. Amen. And see, the enemy came in the garden to steal identity. And it's so bad now with humans that some people don't even know what gender they are. And it, what's even more uh, astounding to me is that people that have that issue not knowing what gender, there's too many others agreeing with them. And so, and I believe when, when identity theft, you remember when identity theft became a big thing and it was just costing people thousands of dollars? I believe that was a prophetic sign to us that we are under, identi our identity has been stolen on an individual basis, and I'm talking about the body of Christ in particular, and as a congregation or the body of Christ. And so, ecclesia, what it means, and I pronounce it ecclesia because I spell it with the two Ks. That's the Greek way of spelling it. Or you can spell it with two Cs. That's the Latin way of spelling it. And you can, in that way, you pronounce it ecclesia. That's kind of a cool way to pronounce it, too. But I started with ecclesia. The Greeks are the one that started the ecclesia, so that's, that's my choice but you can pronounce it either way it means the same thing 
So when Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, he actually didn't say that. Because Jesus spoke Aramaic. Jesus said, I'm going to build my canusta. Canusta is the, the Aramaic word canusta is where the Hebrews, the Israelis, got the word Knesset from. If you trace that down, Knesset's derived from Canusta. When Matt, what's the Knesset? Does anybody know what a Knesset, the Knesset in Israel is? It's their legislative ruling body of parliament. So it's a governmental word. It's not a religious word. If Jesus would have said, I'm going to build my church, my first thought is, how come the apostles didn't ask him what he's talking about? Because there was no such thing as church, if he actually said that word. There was synagogue, temple worship, but he didn't say, I'm going to build a new type of synagogue or a new style of worship. He said, I'm going to build my canusta. Matthew takes the word canusta, translates it to ecclesia. The reason why they didn't ask him what he was talking about is because they already understood what the word meant. Because the word was already in use. It was a very common word. Romans had an ecclesia. The Greeks had an ecclesia. What's an ecclesia? It's a governmental word. When the Greeks had an ecclesia type meeting, a town crier, where we got the word town crier, would go out and call See, if you ask a lot of theologians or pastor what the word Greek, uh, ecclesia means, here's what they say, called out ones. That's what I said for years. That's all I knew about it. You look it up, you'll find that definition most often, called out ones. Well, that's true, but it's, it's very shallow, it's, and it's very partial. Called, who's called out and to do what? And so in the ecclesia, they called out, it was typically males, 18 and over, called them out to an assembly. This assembly would gather for legislative purposes. They would declare war. They would choose judges. What was this? This was a democratic form of government that the Greeks had. And Jesus said, I'm going to build that. So what's ecclesia? In short, it's the government of the kingdom of heaven, but on earth. When you understand the American government of our system of government, specifically with the three branches... Do you know where they got the three branches from? Scripture. It's in Isaiah. It says, God, he is our king. That's the executive branch. God, he is our, our lawgiver. What branch would that be? Legislative. God, he is our judge. What branch would that be? Judicial. There's your three branches. The American government is fashioned off of the ecclesia not the other way around. Ecclesia began in the garden. You'll have to get my book to find out how. Because I trace it all the way through Scripture. It was called something different. But it was the same. When Moses, you remember Moses was a single leader. You remember he's talking to his father-in-law, Jethro. And he said, Jethro says, Moses, this is going to wipe you out. You're doing all this work. You've got to do what? Pick some guys to help. See, what we've done is we've, we, with the churches, we've, we've brought it all back to a natural, humanistic, one, one or two people leading and other people watching and paying for the performance. Was that too rough? 
Yep, exactly. That's right. Because citizenship is participation. That's why for the last few years, we've changed the way we're doing services with the microphones, and it's participation. It's not just what does Joe have to give. It's what does God have to give through all of us. When you go to Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15 is where the Jerusalem council happened. What was the Jerusalem council about? It was about these Gentiles are coming into the kingdom. Should we make them be uh, circumcised or not? This was a major ecclesia meeting. The church, the, the, the apostles were there, the, the people from the congregation were there. You hear the, the apostles, several of them spoke. James was the lead apostle of Jerusalem at this meeting. They're speaking, giving their opinion, their advice. Hey, this is what we're seeing happen. This is what we're seeing happen. James, after listening, James didn't get alone by just with the Lord and make a decision by himself. He was listening to the ecclesia. After listening, he stands up and he says, guys, this is going to be my judgment. After listening to you, I'm paraphrasing, this is what we're going to do. Did they make him get circumcised? No, they did not. You know what that decision at that moment in history affects us today? We all live by that decision. Here's something fascinating. When you read that, and it's a large chunk of that passage, when you read that, nowhere in there does it say they prayed or fasted. Nobody got up and said, hey, I think we need to spend three or four days in fasting and prayer. Would there be anything wrong with it? No. But they did it without praying. Now, I would personally say they did pray the entire time because prayer is communication with the Lord. This is why I love this group type of thing. It's teaching people to be aware of the, of the Father's voice in the midst of conversation. One of the reasons why we're doing this is, what is God saying through all of us? Same way they did it in Acts chapter 15. What, are, what is God saying through all? Not just one person, not just two people. Through the congregation. Sometimes people will get up and that's not God. Let's just be honest with it. I've done it. But that's why, and I love what Scott said, it's a safe place because we're, we're practicing listening. I would much rather people get up to the microphone and miss it completely, and, and, and that's hard to even judge, than not do it at all. Because mistakes aren't sin. Isn't sin. Yeah, I make up my own language kind of sometimes. <laughs> isn't sin. Yeah, isn't. It's not. However you say it. <laughs> So when you read that, they didn't pray, but I believe they were because it's, it's having that communication personally. See, this is one of the, one of the things I was, I was, I'm, I'm wanting to talk about and talking about spirit, soul, and body. Because Adam, before sin, Adam communicated spirit to spirit with God. Spirit to spirit. What's our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions? When you get born again, you get a brand new spirit, but the mind, will, and emotion have some corrupted files left over. And they become a filter. By what we receive from the spirit, it has to come through the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions. 
and it's filter. And what we want to look at that filter because it's 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 wounding that's trapped in the soul. There's wounds there. There's unholy vows. You know what I mean by unholy vow? That's like saying, let's just say, uh, I don't know why I always think just of this illustration about it, that you go through a nasty divorce. And you may, here's an unholy vow. I will never get married ever again. Why would that be unholy? Because God may not be saying that to you. You're just making a judgment and making a vow. And let me tell you, when you do stuff like that, it's imprinted on your soul. You begin talking like that and you begin acting it out. And you'll get in groups, and you might even have a friend they are talking about marriage. Oh, you don't want to do that. And that's just one I- illustration. We may, and that, where's the unholy vows? In the soul. Rejections, fears, all of these things are trapped in the soul. We get born again, you get a brand new spirit, but that's why Romans 12, 1, God says you've got to renew the way. We've got to change the way we think. And there are things trapped in us that, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I have at least one or two things left. But there's things trapped that I may not be aware of. But the Holy Spirit will bring it out in this time. You know what? When you're following him, he'll bring it out. He'll deal with that gently and in the timing. and the, he'll, he'll bring all of those things out. But see, the more we're walking with the Lord and the more healing we're receiving in this area, the more clearly we're going to hear from the Spirit of God, which is so desperately needed in this hour. We've got to hear from Him, and we have to hear clearly. He won't just tell you everything you need to know. He's going to use other people to do it. And we have to be humble enough to receive it from unbelievers, little kids, old people, doesn't matter. Yes, even liberals might say something that could be true. It's possible. Doesn't happen often, but it's possible. (laughs) What's that? Absolutely. And it gives me hope, because if he can do that, he can use me. At least I think. (laughs) One last thing I just want to leave you with, and came to mind while we were you know what? Do you have just a few minutes? I, I forgot about this. I, I, I want to just, I just want to release this. It won't take long. You know, hour and 45 minutes or something, but it won't take too long. We'll go to Revelation chapter 17. Something um, struck me this week. So, you know, we, at least I'm trying to, to get into the message talking about spirit, soul, and body. So I, I you know, between all this campaign stuff, I have been trying to meditate on some of this and what the Lord is saying. What's he speaking to us as a group? What's he speaking to me? And uh, if you're unaware of this, we talk about this stuff here, but uh, the globalists are wanting control and um, we are living under um, an illegitimate government now that's really being controlled by communists and globalists right now at this present moment. Uh, and so we're, we've, we've got this one, you know, this new world government, this um, globalism, this, I refer to it as Tower of the Babel 2.0, yeah. Tower of Babel 2.0 thing going on. And so what's been released over the whole globe is a, a Babylonian system, okay? That's a Babylonian system. 
And I, I needed to say that for, for what I'm going to read here in Romans, uh, oh, not Romans, Revelation, started with an R, Revelation 17 and, uh, and, and going into 18. So uh, just for sake of time, you can look at this later, but uh, Revelation 17, it begins talking about, because Babylon is rebuilt, and then it talks about the doom of Babylon. Babylon's coming down. I, I hear this all the time, you know, Babylon's coming down, Babylon, well, it's got to be rebuilt first, okay? Babylon's got to be rebuilt before it can come down. And people are out there proclaiming, Babylon's coming down. Well, it's got to be rebuilt before it comes down. Okay? We have the system is, is in works right now. So chapter 17 talks about that. In verse 14, it, it goes, this will, uh, these will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Who might I ask Jesus as Lord of lords of and kings of kings? It's us. Okay, if you've never heard this before, Jesus being king of kings, the kings there are the people of God. They're not the worldly rulers. Why do I say that? If you go back to the covenant God made with Abraham and Sarah, he said it to both Abraham and Sarah, both individually. Nation of kings will come forth from you. See, the church has focused on our priesthood, but we're priests and kings. But they've overly focused on the priesthood and not the kingship. Because we've been lied to about our identity, and we've been told to keep politics and government out of the church. It has no place there. And, and isn't it obvious the enemy has come the hardest at the things that bring us the most power, really, in the authority that God has, has released to us? Verse 15, he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So the waters are the harlot sitting on top of the waters to bring control. The waters are who? People. The harlot is who? You'll see later if you don't know this. The harlot is the great city Babylon. So this Babylonian system is controlling the people. Verse 16, the ten horns which you saw in the beast, these will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire and man, that's nasty. For God has put in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman who you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Uh, verse 1 of 18. After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illumined with his glory and he cried out with a mighty voice saying fallen fallen is babylon that's the time to rejoice that babylon's fallen she has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and prison of every unclean and hateful bird for all the nations all the nations not a few all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality now, I'm not saying what we're seeing right now is this, but it's sure similar. Can we agree on that? What we're seeing across the globe, it's very similar. People are drunk out there like in a stupor for the last couple of years. I'm not saying this is this. I'm just saying it's similar. The kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Notice the merchants of the earth. I've heard uh, uh, merchants of the earth have become wealthy. I heard this 
the three G's are here, by the way. I've heard this a long time ago, and it made sense, that, that men uh, could, could succumb to one of the three G's or all three of them. Have you ever heard that, the three G's? Gold, glory, or girls? The three G's. Gold, glory, or girls? It's in here. It doesn't say three G's, but that's immorality, wealth. It's, it's right here in this passage. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. So God's people are in it. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not what participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. Okay, uh, we're, we're kind of getting, not getting, we are a little short on time. Just because I've placed myself under a time limit. I'm out of coffee. That's my time limit. When I run out of coffee, I'm done. So, yeah. Uh, so let's look at verse 11. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Now, Babylon has fallen. The city has laid waste. The system has come down. But now he's talking about what was going on prior to that, okay? You follow me? Does everybody follow me? Just nod your head yes, even if you're not. That's, it's helpful. I'm just kidding. So, uh, because no one buys their cargoes anymore, cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen. And look at all these things that are specifically named in this scripture. It's not by accident. It's on purpose. Fine linen, purple silk, scarlet, every kind of citron wood and every article of ivory and every article made from very costly wood and bronze, iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep. Pay really close attention now. All right? Slap yourself in the face if you need to wake up. Pay really close attention at this next two sentences. Flour, wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses chariots, slaves, and human lives. You need to sit down for this, what I'm about to say. Thank you. I'm glad you're sitting. What's happening right now and been going on? You know, Facebook's changed their name to Meta. They're creating this Meta-verse where people can have an altar self. This is one way where people can live forever in this metaverse, even after they're gone. Now, this is crazy. If you've never heard any of this stuff, I know it's spooky and it's weird. But there is transhumanism that's going on. Okay? There's a plan for transhumanism to change men's DNA, to change men, to captivate the souls of men. This is one reason why this message is, is so important that I'm trying to, been trying for the last several weeks to talk about. To capture men's souls. To control them. You know, that's why when Facebook and social media, that's why you could be on Facebook and all of a sudden on something else get an ad for what you looked at somewhere else. Tracking, tracing. They know how we think, feel. They're using Facebook and social media and Google and all of these things so they can better uh, erect the human. 
on how we feel, think, move, speak, like, dislike. Because these wacko globalists, ruled by the, the, the demonic, is trying to move us into a transhumanistic state. And I'm going to prove it to you by the Bible, that God already knew it, and he's already said it, and I already read the verse. Let's read this again. I think it's verse 13. Yes. Skip down to the last couple things. Cargoes of horses, chariots, slaves. So in this Babylonian system, there were chattel or cargo of slaves, human slaves. But then it says next, and human lives. Now my question was, why would it say slaves and then also human lives? I mean, it's about the same, right? Human lives, slaves. When you look up this word human, it's soul. It's soul. In this Babylonian system, they're using the souls of men and buying and selling and trading. And my politician friend is thinking that I would be concerned about being called a crazy pastor. You have, I have, absolutely nothing to worry about when we're walking with the Lord and we're being obedient to what he has to say. We're developing koinonia, that intimacy with him. We have nothing to worry about. You know why? Because we've been delivered, transferred from the domain of darkness, and now we're in a whole other kingdom with another king and another set of laws. But we have freedom. We can leave that kingdom anytime. The ones trapped in darkness, they don't have a choice until they receive Christ. We can, we can leave it anytime. But as long as we're following the Lord, we're doing our best to follow him, listening to his voice, going where he says to go, do what he says to do, all of those kinds of things, which is what? It's faith. Faith is not just believing hard. It's doing what he said. It's saying what he said. That's putting our trust in God. That's living according to a whole other kingdom. Because see, all the enemy really has is what's natural. Hence, the title of my message, which I haven't got into yet. Have I said that enough times? Being a mere man is different than being a spiritual man. Remember, Paul even talked about that to the Corinthians. He said, you're, you're acting just like mere men and not spiritual men. This is why Jesus can walk through a crowd. No one can touch him until the time came. This is why Jesus can say, the, the prince of the world's coming. He's got nothing in me. He doesn't have anything in me. This is why he can stand before Pilate, and Pilate can say, don't you know I've got the authority to crucify you or let you go? I'll paraphrase, and Jesus said, no, you really don't. You really don't. My, hand, my life is not in your hand, it's in his hand. I die when he says. I'm crucified when he says. 
I come out of the grave when he says. You really don't have anything to do with it. Isn't that beautiful? We can live in this world and not be anything of it at all. Love you guys. Thanks for our enduring. Now, get out. <laughs>